What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. With NFL schedule release night, we are talking about the NFL and the Bears right here on ESPN 1000. And the brand new ESPN Chicago app with Jonathan Hood, we are pleased to be joined by Bill Barnwell of ESPN and ESPN.com. As we have our conversation, download his podcast. It's the Bill Barnwell podcast. Always great uh, conversation about the National Football League on Bill's podcast. And he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Bill, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure, Mr. Hood. How are you? I, I really appreciate your time. I'm doing good. Uh, first, let me check in with you and your family. How's everything going with the the curve, the pandemic, and everything that's going on right now? Okay, we're hanging in there. You know, uh, fortunately, I already work from home, so for me, it was actually not that big of a difference. I guess all things considered. But you know, we have family, you know, who are are you know doctor, the med nurses in New York, and working on the front lines in New York. So obviously, you know, hoping they you know, continue to be healthy and everything seems to go okay for them. I hope it's, you know, hope you and your family are doing well as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for asking, Bill. I want to get your thoughts about the Bears. Is, is Dr. Barnwell mm-hmm. around? Can I talk to Dr. Dr. Bill? Because <laughs> I'm just going to lay down and I'm just going to let you talk to us as Bears fans about uh, this upcoming season. First, let's go back to your thoughts on the free agency for the Bears, because you thought that at the time when Nick Foles was traded from Jacksonville to Chicago, that it was kind of a, a C to C minus uh, grade for the Bears. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the the uh, Bears quarterback situation right now for 2020? Well, you know, I want to be nice. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but, you know, uh, there's certainly upside here. I think that's fair to say. Well, let's start there on the positive side. I mean, these are two players, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, who at their best, can be valuable quarterbacks. Mitch, obviously, I think more as a runner, you know, mixing that in. And then, you know, a guy who we know is a very good athlete, inconsistent, I think it's fair to say, a quarterback. But we've seen, you know, when he gets hot, Mitch, Mitch plays pretty well. So, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the question that Mitch Trubisky's career as a Bears quarterback is over just because they, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And then with Nick Foles, I mean, you know, I had my questions about how much of the price tag they were picking up, why they were giving up a pick. You know, I think in the big picture when Andy Dalton got granted to go home, but Grant got $3 million without a pick attached, and the Bears gave, I think, about $21 million guaranteed to Nick Foles to uh, come over on a fourth-round pick. You have to be pretty confident about Nick Foles being better than Andy Dalton to make that work, and I'm not that confident myself. But, you know, we know Nick Foles is a guy who, you know, can be competent at quarterback for stretches, can be great for stretches. Uh, we, we, we've seen him get really hot for periods of time. And I do think that, you know, he is an upgrade to Mitch Trubisky. My big concern with Nick Foles more than anything is health. This is a guy who has consistently struggled to stay healthy over the course of his career when teams have depended upon him as a starter. I mean, you know, last year was sort of a extreme example. He got hurt in the first quarter of the first game of the season. But this is a guy who I think uh, going back through the start of his career has not started 10 consecutive games without either being benched or getting injured. So in the big picture, my concern, or my, my, maybe my expectation, I guess I should say, is that we're still going to see both these guys in 2020, regardless of who wins the competition in training camp. Conversely, just from the Jacksonville standpoint, they get the fourth-round pick for 2020, um, and 
it's a whole different conversation, but I'm just I'm just so irate at Jacksonville. Yeah. How can how can you be the Miami Marlins, uh, you know, of the National Football League and do this? You can't do this in the NFL, Bill. You just can't strip away quality players in that market and just say, well, you know, they're they're on the precipice of being able to get to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and now mm-hmm. you know Tony Khan is stripping away and Shad Khan and Caldwell stripping away the talent and almost starting over. I can understand if, like this is baseball. But to do this in the NFL mm-hmm. in this in the modern day, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I think it's tough. You know, I, I think that uh, it's hard to say how much of the decisions they've made over the past few years was Tom Coughlin, how much was Dave Caldwell, how much is the Khan family. Of course, you know, when you have everyone in the same building, it's always going to be a mix of everyone. But we're seeing some of the moves that were made during the Coughlin era kind of get erased now that Tom Coughlin is gone. The Nick Foles trade, obviously, uh, has moved on. There's been, uh, you know, a, a desperate, I think it's fair to say, attempt to trade Leonard Fournette, a former top five pick from this team, uh, and certainly a favorite, it seems like, of Tom Coughlin, at least when they drafted him. Uh, and that has been unsuccessful. They declined his fifth-year option as well. Um you know, I, I feel bad for Jaguars fans. That was a really fun team that year. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, they were, they were up on the Patriots in the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship game in Foxborough. If Miles Jack is not incorrectly ruled down, they might be in the Super Bowl against Nick Foles. And that could be, you know, they could be a, a Super Bowl champion with that roster. And obviously everything changes if they win that Super Bowl. But um, I'm not a big tanking guy uh, when it comes to football. I don't think it's a very logical plan. I'm not sure if they are tanking per se, but. I do think at the end of the day, um, this is a team that sort of, you know, I'm surprised that the people who were there for this last rebuild under Gus Bradley uh, and then uh, into the the Marone era are sticking around to pick the players for this next rebuild. It doesn't typically happen that way. So um, a bit surprised that Dave Caldwell managed to keep his job, even if Tom Coughlin was uh, let go. Yeah, it's good. It's crazy. Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com, host of the Bill Barnwell podcast, wherever you download your podcast. Joins me, Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So, Bill, so do you foresee um, Nick Foles starting for the Bears this upcoming season? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm. it's hard to say, and here's why. Because when I actually think about Blake Bortles a lot when it comes to how the Bears have treated Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen with the Bills, where you have these guys who are, you know, marginal starters. You have guys who, uh, you know, I think these teams draft these guys really high in the first round and then perceive them to be franchise quarterbacks, and then sort of there's a confirmation bias. They take everything that's in their favor to prove that there's a franchise quarterback, and they kind of ignore the negatives. The Bears, thankfully, uh, when it came to Ryan Pace, did not follow in the Jaguars' footsteps and picking up Blake Bortles' option, uh, picking up Mitch Trubisky's option, I should say. So, um, you know, I, I do think there's still going to be a soft spot for Trubisky. I think the Bears would probably be happier in the big picture if uh, Trubisky did win the job and did play better and was the guy going forward. But I do think at the end of the day, you look at what they did. I mean, the, the Bears could have waited for Andy Dalton. They could have waited for Cam Newton. Instead, they guaranteed Nick Foles all that money. They did decline Mr. Trubisky's option. I think their actions are saying at this point that they're kind of done and they're ready to move on to Nick Foles. So, you know, if Mitch does win the job, great. I think it's a miracle. I think they, you know, they'd be thrilled if Mr. Trubisky turns out to be the guy they were hoping this time last year. But I do think their actions seem to indicate that they're expecting Nick Foles to be their starting quarterback week one. 
So the other signings that stood out that have Bears fans just up in arms is Jimmy Graham, right? So yeah. we saw Jimmy Graham toward the in, de- definitely in the autumn of his career. There's no doubt. We saw him in Green Bay, and that that wasn't the Jimmy Graham that we saw in New Orleans. That's just a that's just a different guy. And so it's mm-hmm. that, and then the the commit the draft pick in the second round. And so Bears fans are like, okay, so if you have ten tight ends in the room, do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so so that's a Bears issue, and then the Robert Quinn signing. You believe that the Bears could have been able to get uh, another solid pass rusher, but not for so much money for Quinn. How do you weigh the Graham and Quinn signings by the Bears? Let me start with Quinn. So I think he's really interesting because you look at uh, some of the work ESPN does in terms of uh, pass, measuring pass rush, the, the pass rush win rate analysis that that involves that uh, you know the the player tracking data the NFL produces. Robert Quinn tracks out as the best pass rusher in football by those measures. Now, I'm not saying you should pay Robert Quinn like he's the top pass rusher in football, and the Bears are not. And clearly, there was not a market to pay him at that level. But I think he's a guy where, you know, he might be pretty underrated. He might be, you know, a, a top 10, top 12 pass rusher. So, um, you know, I don't know that's what necessarily what the Bears needed, given that they have Cleo Mack as the, or at least at the time, was the highest paid uh, edge rusher in football on the other side of the field. I don't think you want to necessarily commit that much to two edge rushers, but I do think Robert Quinn is a really talented football player and honestly a pretty underrated football player. So I, you know, I could maybe sort of wonder about spending the money elsewhere, but at the end of the day, I think he's a good player, and I think that that's not the worst idea in the world. With Jimmy Graham, you know, it, it's just... I understand being optimistic. I understand hoping to kind of have a guy you can plug in there, whether it's Foles, who loved throwing to tight ends in Philadelphia, or Trubisky, who, uh, you know, who did have some kind of connection with Trey Burton that first year before things went south last year. I understand wanting to invest in tight ends. But this is an organization that over and over again has said, hey, we don't know what we're doing. They paid uh, they drafted Adam Shaheen in the second round, and that turned out to be disappointing. Of course, injuries are a big part there. They paid Trey Burton like he was a top-five tight end when he was, you know, had been the Eagles' number two, number three tight end. That contract didn't work out. They have a lot of good money for that Trey Burton deal. Um, Jimmy Graham contract, I mean, you know, it's one thing if it's – I hear from somebody in the league, and they say, oh, that's a little surprised by that. That was, I think, every team in the league kind of said, wow, you know, what are we missing here that we didn't give Jimmy Graham that kind of money? Um so I'm just, you know, it's hard for me to think that the Bears did that out of much more than just desperation. I understand wanting to address the position, um, but I do wonder if they had known, okay, we're going to be able to get, get uh, Cole Komet in the second round, would they go back and, and offer Jimmy Graham that same contract? I, I, I can't say. There are different sorts of players, but I do think that, you know, given how thin, or given how, how, uh, how unaffected the wide receiver market was this year, how he did see a lot of, you know, talented wideouts, uh, you know, signed for marginal money. I-, I wonder if they've been better off spending money on a wide receiver and, you know, committing to another tight end elsewhere uh, for much less money as opposed to giving Jimmy Graham what is really a pretty shocking deal given his lack of blocking ability and given that we really have seen him miss and lose several steps over the past couple of years. Bill, I think I've got it. Okay. Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Goldman, Khalil Mack, as you mentioned, Roquan Smith, uh, Robert mm-hmm. Quinn, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson. I got it. The Bears are trying to build a 2000 Ravens. That's <laughs> they're trying to. They, they, I mean, your defense is solid. I mean, it, it was solid before the, the, as you mentioned, the signing. You didn't have to, you didn't have to sign Robert Quinn. That defense was already going to be great. Um, mm-hmm. But it just, it's it's kind of what the tradition has been for Bears football. It has been a strong defense, and sometimes the defense having to do the job for the offense. And this is this is the imbalance that we've been talking about with this team. So I'll, I'll ask you about 
the the Bears versus the uh, the NFC North because we know the storylines there with the Packers as far as them uh, not going out and get themselves a front line wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Vikings, sure. I thought, had a terrific draft. So how, how do you assess the the NFC North, what you've seen here in the offseason? I have to admit, I think it's still pretty wide open. Um, you know, I think the Packers, even leaving that wide receiver issue aside, you look at the numbers for the Packers, they are maybe the most likely team in the league to decline in 2020. Not, not going to be a bad team, I don't think. They're not going to go 4-12, and 12, but wouldn't shock me if they were a, you know, a 9-7, and seven, a 10-6 football team, if they were, you know, kind of fell back to the pack uh, not to make a pun, but fell back to sort of the, the rest of the teams in the NFC North. The Vikings are a team that traded away Stephon Diggs, one of their best players, not rebuilding on defense, but certainly retooling uh, in the secondary on defense. A lot, a lot of veterans go, kind of had to fix up that cap a little bit. Um, could see them taking a step backwards again. Lions are a team, by the numbers, coincidentally, they're probably one of the most likely teams in the league to improve this year. And you figure just getting Matthew Stafford back for you would assume 14, 15, 16 games would be a huge upgrade given that they were winless without Matthew Stafford or quarterback. So, um, you know, this could be a division where anything goes. I, I really do think it could be something like the NFC West like last year. We could see a team come out of nowhere and win the division. And the Rams, who I think were everyone's hot favorite to win the division, fell off and kind of fell back to the pack. Now, um, the Bears, I, I mean, it, I think it depends on what you get at quarterback. We know the defense is going to be good. Mm-hmm. We know that, um, you know, there, there's talent on offense. This is not a talentless offense by any means. Um, you know, can uh, they get more competent and more consistent quarterback play? Can they get more effective uh, running the football? And can Matt Nagy, a guy who, you know, I think was seen as an offensive you know, mastermind in that first year and really took a lot of criticism, not only from – uh, you know, the local media, the national media, but also ex-players, people who are watching that offense, you know, your Kurt Warners, your Dan Orlovsky's guys who, you know, watching that offense, trying to figure out what the, the, the concepts are and what the game plan is. Um, if Matt Nagy can kind of get back on track and, you know, whether he was sort of dumbing down that offense for Trubisky, maybe he can open it back up again or make it, you know, sort of tailor it to Nick Foles' strengths as opposed to Trubisky's strengths. Um, it opens to the play, but I think, it wouldn't shock me if any of the teams in the NFC North finished in first place at the end of the year. Check out the Bill Barnwell podcast where you download your podcast, Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com. Joining me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Schedule came out today, Bill. I'm just wondering if there are a team in particular you're looking forward to seeing this upcoming season that you're intrigued by. Mm, the easy answer is the Bucks, right? You know, just because <laughs> yeah. like, who knows what it's going to be. It's Brady and Gronk and all those receivers, Bruce Arians, defense. Defense was quietly really good last year. They looked terrible by regular numbers, by advanced metrics when you account for, you know, Jameis Winston throwing uh, all those pick sixes and all those interceptions. They're actually a really good defense by the numbers. So uh, they come out, they sent to me as a team that's really interesting. I think the Cardinals, a team that, of course, such an interesting offseason. Isaiah Simmons, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray kind of hitting his second season. That's a really exciting team to think about. Um you know, I look at the Chargers where, you know, it could be Tyrod Taylor, it could be Justin Herbert, but a team that we know when they're, they're healthy, which is pretty rare to be fair, but when they are healthy, they're a pretty talented football team. And then I think the AFC East, because it's always been, you know, kind of the Patriots first and everyone else chasing them, and that's no longer the case. Patriots are in the thick of the division, and Bills are a team that could win 13 games. Josh Allen plays probably they could win six or seven games. So uh, that division's wide open as well. So I'm a. Uh, I feel like that could be the most interesting division, and then just individual teams popping up here and there could be uh, really fascinating to watch come 2020. You and Mike Clay recently on your on the Bill Barnwell podcast talked about 
uh, fantasy rookie draft, looking at yep. some of the fantasy players uh, that we'll be definitely taking our, keeping our eyes on when the season starts. So I want to get your thoughts on the balance that you look at with the quarterback position, Bill, because look, I, as as someone who watched all of Joe Burrow's games at LSU, I just really intrigued by that team because. I don't know. LSU implemented the forward pass, something that we did we don't see very often, right? <laughs> and so to be able to see the ball go down the field and someone with LSU uniforms like, wow, they're not running the football a million times. Actually, they have a quarterback, and Burrow was great. But you know the the yin and yang of this, right? It's like Burrow was terrific in college, and now he's with Cincinnati. And there will be some that mm-hmm. say, hey, there's weapons here and there, but there's still, still a learning curve. Same thing with Tua with, with uh, the Miami Dolphins. Just a devastating injury that he suffered at Alabama, and I felt really bad for mm-hmm. him. It's a litany of injuries he's suffered, and apparently he's, I guess when the bell rings, he'll be ready to go. Give me the quarterback that really stands out to you most that you're looking forward to seeing here on this next level. Yeah, it's got to be Burrow. I mean, just because there's, there's still a mystery there. I mean, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow was a guy who was, you know, kind of okay in 2018. You know, he was a you know, a, a typical kind of mid-tier quarterback. And, you know, in the SEC, so he was playing tough competition. But, you know, when you ask scouts or ask people around the league, he kind of was a sixth, seventh-round pick. And then he had the best season in, in college football history out of nowhere. And I wasn't expecting it. You know, I and, and, you know, he was legit. He played great defenses. He was consistent. He obviously had great receivers. But, you know, he was awesome. He, he was just – he was unflappable against the best uh, competition anyone could have faced. He was dominant. And – you know, he could be a top five quarterback in the NFL from day one. That's not out of the question. Or he could just be off Luke gear. You know, he could really be really struggling. And I look at that team, there are weapons there. And like you said, I mean, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, mm-hmm. um, you know, John Ross is your fourth receiver. That's pretty good when it comes to the wideouts. Uh, I thought Zach Taylor, you know, did some interesting stuff early in the year, but that offensive line was a disaster. So many guys got hurt. Uh, they're getting Jonah Williams back. They're Alabama first-round picket tackle. Um, so if they can't protect Joe Burrow, I think we're going to see you know, a mix of games where he's awesome and a mix of games where he's getting beat up uh, because they can't protect him. And I think it's going to be a mix of that in his rookie season. But anything's possible. I mean, you know, would it be shocking? Would it be the craziest thing in the world if you know the Bengals replaced uh, Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton with Joe Burrow and made a playoff run because they had you know suddenly a superstar quarterback, sort of similar to maybe that Colts team when they got Andrew Luck that first year? No, wouldn't shock me at all. So. You know, I, I, I'm excited because I think the the ceiling for Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in football. And, um, you know, it's always exciting to see a team that's kind of been struggling for a few years pop up and get one of those guys and move forward with a, you know, a, a franchise-altering player at quarterback. That's interesting you mentioned him. So you believe that Burrow has more in Cincinnati than Tua would have in Miami as far as, uh, as, far as, as talent around him? I do, yeah. I mean, I think about okay. the Dolphins this offseason, you know, they added offensive linemen in the draft. I think that's going to help. They signed Eric Flowers and Ted Karras. They added a ton of offensive line depth um, and some possible stars, Boston Jackson, Robert Hunt, um, and, and like I said, Flowers as well. But they really didn't address the receiving core. I mean, it's Devontae Parker, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson, Max Hollins, Gary Jennings, Mike Kosicki. I mean, they did sign... Jordan Howard to a very questionable contract. Mm-hmm. They traded for Matt Breida, who's a you know going to be the, the boomer bust back for them. But they did not really add that receiver I was expecting for uh, for Tua Tonga Viola. So I you know Devontae Parker played really well last year, but that was one year and missed 
you know, five or six years of him being very frustrating and very difficult to uh, kind of get on the field and play well week to week. So I, I think we're going to be sitting here next year saying Joe Burrow and the Bengals need to add an offensive lineman to help that offensive line. And I think we're going to be sitting here saying that the Dolphins need to add receiving talent for Tua Tango Vailoa in 2021. Bill, lastly, and I appreciate your time, what does your gut tell you about the season starting on time? We see all these schedules in front of us, but we don't know mm-hmm. the actual dates. What, what do you think? Skeptical. I mean, you know, I I would love if it did happen. I, I would love, obviously, but I think it has to be the, the bigger picture has to be right. You know, I don't want the games to happen just so we can have games. I want there to be healthy people. I want there to be, you know, a safe opportunity for players to be able to play without – you know, having the proper testing, having the right people around them. And the reality is, even if the season does start on time, there's no guarantee it's going to end the way we expect. I mean, you know, there could be another, uh, you know, another rush of the coronavirus. Um, We could see players get a test positive and then that could stop the league temporarily. Um, It could suspend operations for the time being. I mean, there's so many different ways it could go. Um, You know, I, I think that the NFL's goal at the end of the day is, to start games on time, and I like to believe it's going to happen, but I think we're going to have to see what other leagues do. I mean, we're going to have to see what happens with baseball, what happens with basketball and hockey, and then with uh, soccer leagues overseas, and, um, you know, what those leagues are able to start a season or restart their season and, you know, get able to keep things up week after week with testing and with players testing negatively, uh, you know, and, and I think it's going to be different. It's not going to be what we usually expect. I don't think there's going to be fans there either way, but, you know, I do think at the end of the day we're going to have something resembling a season. I'm just not sure if it's going to be, you know, the full 16 game affair as we typically would expect. Bill, I'm glad you uh, spent some time with us here in Chicago. I think some Bears fans feel better after our conversation. They feel they feel <laughs> like if Foles can stay healthy, I think that's what we got out of this. If Foles can stay healthy, there's a great possibility for the Bears as 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 a playoff team maybe. That's what it sounds like. Hey, I mean they were 8 and 8 last year. Yeah. You know, granted, the, the the mood was negative. No one was feeling good about that Bears team, but if they're if they're downside, their ugly, awful, you know, disaster season with eight and eight, that's not all that bad. You know, a lot of teams. I'm a, I grew up as a Giants fan. Giants fans be pretty thrilled about eight and eight right now. So I can tell you that you know, you can get better quarterback play. That defense is legit. You could see a playoff team. It's hardly out of the question that we could see the Bears in the postseason uh, when it comes to January. All right, love our conversations as always, Bill. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Jonathan. Anytime. It is uh, Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com. Wherever you download your podcast, look for the Bill Barnwell Show. Plenty of NFL conversation on that podcast as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Love being able to get a local and national view of the Chicago Bears, a team that drives the bus in our city, because we talked to Jeff Dickerson earlier. Just heard from Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com from the Bill Barnwell podcast. If you missed either one of those Long-form conversations, check out the ESPN Chicago app. That way you can look for Under the Hood. Any shows, any segments that you might have missed, download it. Whether you're an Android user or an uh, iPhone user, doesn't matter. You can get the ESPN Chicago app. That way you have a world of sound that you could hear that you might have missed from any of the shows, including this one, Under the Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. Okay, so, Eric, I'm taking a look at the um, the entire 
uh, NFL as far as projected win totals. I see here on the Action Network. Let's start. Can we start from the Green Bay? No, start with Detroit. Start with Detroit. So I see the projected win total for the Lions is seven. Projected odds to win the division is at 40%. Projected odds to make the playoffs is 23%. If the Lions are projected to win seven games, I will take the under. Yeah, those injuries with Stafford. Uh, that team was not very good offensively. I kind of think that this might be the end of, for Patricia because you can't just keep underachieving here. This this is if the team is healthy and you still can't get into the mix with eight or nine wins. I don't see how Patricia's back, so I'll take the under of seven wins there for Detroit. I feel like seven's really high for this team. I uh, pulled up their schedule earlier and I just did the quick WLWL and I ended up with five and eleven. Five eleven. <laughs> <Win. laughs> I got you choked up on that. Five of I, I just think they're they're definitely the bottom dwellers of the division. They'll be lucky to get a win in the division. Like I, I have them beating the Bears. That was my one thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't see them being able to take either Green Bay or the Minnesota. I just I think them they're going to take a big step back this year. I'm surprised there are forty percent chances to win the division when I feel like they're clearly the fourth team in the division. So you heard Barnwell talk about how like every it's wide open in the north. I don't believe that because the lines are there. Right. They're I, the ones that aren't wide open. No, in my that's opinion. not that's not, unless it's something I'm missing. I don't see that. And by the way, your hot pick, the first one on radio to bring this up, your hot pick of Bears losing to the Lions yeah. opening night. I mean now starting to trend like like Steve Silverman, <laughs> Silvio chimed in, he goes, I agree with Eric. He goes, Yeah, I like the Bears to lose against the Lions and that all hell will break loose. The Bears lose the oh, Lions. That'll I'm be telling a you. fun week out going into week two there. That'll be a fun week for us. How could we lose to the Lions? It's unbelievable. And, of course, the elixir to that is to beat the hell out of the Giants next week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that'll always help you get right. Green Bay, a projected win total according to Action Network is eight wins. I'll take way over there. Not way over. That's not that's hyperbole. I will think the Packers are better than eight and eight. I see them more like ten and six. 42% odds to win the division, 24% to make the playoffs. Going through their schedule, I ended up having them have nine wins. So I'll take the over on that. They're going nine and seven is what I was thinking. They've got a couple. They've got the Colts. They've got the Saints. They've got the Falcons. They've got the Niners. They've got the Eagles. So they've got a tough non-divisional uh, schedule. So once again, you're telling all of us, like the Packers have told us, that they're good, but not good enough to beat the top teams in the NFC. I think that's where they're at right now. I do. So I, I know there's got to be some prop bets about whether or not uh, Rodgers plays all 16 games. It's got to be somewhere somewhere in here. Because uh, if you're saying 9-7, and seven, it sounds like there might be a change here. Like things will get ugly. It could. Very well could get ugly up there. No mm. doubt. Minnesota, who I'm very impressed with with their draft and their personnel. Projected win total, according to Action Network, is 8.66. It's close to nine. Uh, I think that's an 11 win, 10 or 11 win ball club at first blush. 62% projected odds to win the division, 40% odds to make the playoffs. I had them winning uh, 10 games. So I had them going 10 and six. I, I agree completely with them being the clear favorites in the division with the 62%. But like, uh, Detroit was just below 40. Green Bay was just over 40. Minnesota's at about 63%, according to Action Network. And I think, in my opinion, they have the best roster in the division, hands down. I agree with that. Uh, Bears projected, at again, seven wins. Man, they're, they're right on your number, man. Well, you you have them eight and eight, though, right? 
Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that no. So they're even below us. I say nine and seven. You say eight and eight. They say seven. How about if, if it's seven and nine? It's that's all she wrote. That is. That's there's front office is getting changed. How about the Action Network giving the Lions eighteen more percent of uh, odds, better odds to win the division than the Bears? The Bears have the lowest in the division with only twenty two percent chance to win. It's the first or second best defense in the division. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we can it's make the, the argument. Best, right? I could. Okay, like like them in Minnesota, right? I'll okay. I'll say the Bears have the best defense in the division, so I won't hedge. The Bears have the best division. The, so I know that's about offense, Eric. But the idea that the Bears uh, are less than the Lions is crazy to me. By by a good chunk, I don't I don't agree with that at all because that defense will keep them in. Plenty more games than Detroit's even going to be in, I think. You have the Broncos at seven wins. <laughs> I don't know what to think about the Broncos and, and their quarterback. Jacksonville's six. You said they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. I think that's pretty right. Uh, Giants at six wins. Jets at five. Well, at 5.94, which is six wins. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, going through, as you know, Peacock uh, is, is here with me. You know Peacock. Yep. Peacock is going through her Sunday night football schedule for her network. Um, for those that if, new listeners, that, that is my wife. She works for NBC. <laughs> uh, we call her, and her name is Peacock because she works for the Peacock. She has her own network. Have you heard this? Peacock right. Network? Uh, yeah, new streaming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She goes, oh, Vegas is going to be on twice. I go, yeah. I said, they just want the market. They don't want the team. It might not be very good. No, but it could be a fun atmosphere. If it's anything like the, the Knights out there, it could be a really fun atmosphere. Peacock says, oh, Vegas is on the schedule. I said, yes. She goes, how come the Bears aren't there anymore? I said, well, if they're any good, they'll flex in outside of the Packer game. But otherwise, no. Yeah, I mean, the Bears almost are maxed out. They have four primetime games. The most you're allowed to be scheduled is five. So they almost maxed out the Bears. Yeah, so that's that's interesting as we talk about the Bears in the NFL on ESPN 1000 and the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. So here's something that Eric uh, told me about, smart me up on, is that for somehow on May 7th as we do this show, there are four interesting, diverse sports anniversaries. So the first one is Michael Jordan, as we watch the last dance here and talk about the the mountain that the bear, the uh, Bulls had to climb over to get the Cleveland Cavaliers. That was hard to beat the Cavaliers, but the bear, uh, the, the Bulls. Can I sw- switch gears? Right. The, the Bulls. If your mind allows it, yes. God almighty. The, the <laughs> Bulls. I'm aging before your very ears. Jordan over Elo, that's basketball, so that's the Bulls. So Jordan over Elo is a sports anniversary. Let's go back in time. The inbound pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Set the Cleveland Cavaliers! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. 20,273 in stunned silence here in the Coliseum. Michael Jordan with 44 points in a game. Hit the shot over Craig Elo. What tremendous heroics we have had in game five. Wow. Jim Durham and uh, Red Kerr on ESPN 1000 Um, because it was aired here. So, so it's just it's unbelievable. What a what a great moment. Also on May seventh in this day in sports history, Reggie Miller somehow scores eight point to nine seconds. Game that's seen nearly sixty fouls called. Actually, that is short of the record for both teams in the playoff game. Miller for three, and he got it. So now we have our worst inbounder, Anthony Mason. 
take it out. Greg Anthony was wide open. I threw it to him. He slipped. And I kind of see his foot stumble just a little bit as he's taking the ball out. Reggie absolutely shoved Greg Anthony. It was the best chance pass from either team. In the heat of the moment, Sam Mitchell fouls John Starks. I was kind of like in shock that this whole thing happened. At that time, I'm walking to the free throw line. I'm thinking like, man, did this dude just did it? We watched John's eyes, and he wanted no parts of the instructions. There's no way he's going to miss the second free throw. There's absolutely no way. Starks misses the foul shot. Ewing misses the putback. There is a time to play and there's a time to win. What do you do in winning time? That differentiates between just a regular player and a superstar. Reggie Miller scoring eight points in the final seconds. Mason Coach can do it to me. I hit a three. John Stark Joe. We came up big. Crazy. Eight points in nine seconds. That actually happened, Eric. I mean, and still the second best Miller in his family at basketball. <laughs> I will text Cheryl and let her know <laughs> that you said that, and she would agree with you. Yeah, I'm sure she would. <laughs> said, We've worked together on NBA radio. She would agree with you on that. Um, so Jordan over Elo, Reggie Miller's eight points in nine seconds on this day on May 7th. And then Allen Iverson with that practice rant. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. From where he's coming from, if you practice, not you would be better, but your teammates would be better. How the hell can I make my teammates better by practicing? It's so good. <laughs> wow. It's so good. Still a conundrum. <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot of answers to that question, but Iverson think, didn't think that was a good question. All right, so he's t- talking about practice. And then also on May 7th, somehow Bartolo Colon, who was hitting like way under 100, hit a home run. Colon looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to him. Back near the wall. It's out of here. <laughs> Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. The team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot. His first career home run. And there will be nobody in the dugout to greet him. (laughs) This is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. <laughs> and now they'll flood up the tunnel and give him his just due. His 226th career at bat. <laughs> you knew a 
if he ever made contact in just the right way, he was strong enough to do it. And now Bartolo has brought down the house. That is crazy. It's so fun. <laughs> you guys had to look that on YouTube, courtesy of SNY, and Gary Cohen with a great call with Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling on that. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like the most unlikely person in a home run, Bartolo Colon does it. Earl Bennett, former Bears wide receiver, with his thoughts on the 2020 Bears. Next. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Mitch Trubisky. It's been denied his fifth-year option by the Chicago Bears. We're talking about it right here on ESPN 1000. Glad to have you in here on this Monday night. Hit me up on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. We turn to the man who is part of Pro Style Media. We'll hear from Earl Bennett in just a moment. But I look forward to seeing exactly what is going on with this uh, with this Bears team moving forward. You know, the big story of the weekend about Mitch Trubisky and how that fifth-year option is uh, is not in the cards. It is telling me for sure that the Bears want Trubisky to battle with Nick Foles for the starting job. And we turn to Earl Bennett from the former Bears wide receiver, part of the Pro Style Media. Always check out his podcast wherever you download your podcast. Look for Pro Style Media. And he joins me, Jonathan Hood, here on ESPN 1000. Earl, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Jonathan, how are you doing tonight? I appreciate you having me. I'm doing very well, Earl. Thank you very much. I want to get your thoughts. We have not spoken since uh, the draft for the Bears, but you know the story that came across over the weekend regarding Trubisky, how the Bears did not offer a fifth-year option for Trubisky. What was your reaction to that story this weekend? I was uh, a little bit surprising, seeing as how high they've been on him this offseason, saying that he's our guy, he's our starting quarterback going into the season. But you hear all those talks, you know, out towards the public. But behind closed doors, there's a lot of questions that needs to be answered. And I think by Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy not picking up his option, it's evident that they don't think he's the quarterback of the future or he just needs to prove it. Even if he do well this season coming up, I'm still not sure if they re-sign him to a long-term deal just because there's a lot of inconsistencies there. You know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what's going through Mitch's mind because you know that the Bears have defended him even with mediocre play where it just seems like it's not clicking for him, Earl, but yet – now they had to make a decision by Monday, uh, by today, on whether or not they were going to get, give him the option or not. He doesn't get it. I wonder what's going through his mind now, knowing that you know Nick Foles is on the depth chart right behind him. He doesn't get his option. I wonder, what, what's he thinking? I mean, we saw the same thing happen with Kyle Fuller. How they didn't pick up his you know fifth year option, but they wanted him to come out and prove that he can consistently go out compete and play at a high level each and every weekend. And they ended up rewarding him with a huge contract after the Packers tried to sign him. And so you, they're kind of using a, a little uh, reverse psychology on Mitch right now. You know, they're really trying to get him to say, Hey, this is my contract year. I need to go out and prove it. There's no more years left on my contract. And so it's up to me to go out and to prove to this franchise that I do belong. But in the back of his mind, there has to be a little doubt about his future with the Chicago Bears because they did pick up his option. If I'm Mitch, I'm sitting there trying to figure out how do I get better, what player I need to work out with, what trainer, my diet, some things I need to work on with staying healthy for my shoulder. 
I mean, there's a lot of things that he can do to get better during this time. And if he wanted to continue to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, he definitely has to come out and prove it. Starting in training camp, make that transition towards the season. And he just got to continue it throughout the season. But right now, it's time to be mentally sharp, mentally focused. Earl, how detrimental is doubt on that football field? Oh, it's very detrimental. I mean, anything going out on the field, you want to have the highest of the high confidence. And some other guys that are very confident on the other side of the ball. So if you have any inkling of doubt in the back of your mind, it's going to show in your play. Your footwork's going to be inconsistent. You're going to question some of your throws. You're going to be hesitant with making certain throws. And that doubt will, will really get you out of the league. And so – Mitch, he has to put these past couple years behind him and say, look, I'm a new man. I got to turn over a new leaf, and I got to go out here and prove it. If not, not just my career as a Chicago Bears maybe does, but, I mean, his career as an NFL player could be done very fast because, I mean, we, we're seeing Cam Newton don't have a job. You have Jameis Winston, he just – what, he'll be the third-string quarterback for the Saints, and he was just a starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? So, I mean, the, the, the availability for quarterbacks is starting to dwindle, and if Mitch wants to stay in the league, he has to come out and show that he can be a competent quarterback each and every week. Former Bears wide receiver Earl Bennett for a part of the Pro Style Media podcast with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Just a sidebar on that camp thing. Earl, that's wild. Like if his if his ankle and foot is good, if he's good to go, then I don't know why he couldn't be on somebody's roster by now. It's we're having this conversation on May fourth, for real. Like so, Andy Dalton can get that job with Dallas as a backup. It makes sense. Like Andy Dalton, mm. Andy Dalton gets a backup mm-hmm. to to Dak in Dallas, right? But yet Cam is still looking for a job now. Cam Cam says he doesn't want to be anyone's backup. And I and I think that he still has to prove that he's healthy. That's one. But if he is, he can't start for any team in this league. Yeah, that one's a real head scratcher. Considering the high level that Cam was playing at before he got injured, obviously you know there, there was a new regime that came with the Panthers, the new owner, so they wanted to really get their guy in. They brought Teddy Bridgewater signed to a long term deal. But when you look at Cam Newton's makeup, you look at what Cam Newton is able to do, I honestly have no clue why the Chicago Bears didn't go out to Cam Newton, especially if you're really trying to run your system, Matt Nagy. I don't know if there's a better quarterback that was out on the market that would fit what he wants to do than Cam Newton. And obviously there are some things there with, you know, maybe their personalities didn't mesh well or maybe Cam is not as healthy. But, I mean, we're talking about Heisman Trophy winner, MVP winner, took the team, carried them on his back to the Super Bowl. Obviously, they lost. But this kid has played at a very high level, and I think he could still play at a higher level than Mitch. But it's one of those things that I I really don't have a – obviously, he's coming off an injury. That's one thing that people will allude to. But when I look at Cam Newton's body of work, there's no reason why he shouldn't be competing for a starting job. I'm not saying you hand him a starting job, but he definitely should be competing for a starting job in the NFL somewhere. 
It's that hat and that scarf, man. They just can't get over it. <laughs> I like the head and the scarf. You know, let, let the guy be free. You know, let him style a little bit and, and have fun. As long as he's getting a job, then I don't care. I mean, you can come to work in a, a, a Canadian tux. As long as you're throwing that ball around the field, we get W's. Hey, man, keep on wearing that Canadian tux. We could, we could use a lot of wins in Chicago right now. There's no question. Uh, and the same question goes to New England the same way, right? So you're good with a kid, Stidham, that's unproven and not Cam? Or not – like, Jameis, look, if you don't want Jameis Winston on your team because he throws too many picks and he's got 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, and you'll think there's a second act with him, okay, that's that's your choice. But with Cam, I just think that's uh, – it's interesting. There's some there's some jobs in the league, uh, Earl, that, that he could be part of, and he's, he's not. So it's Jared Stidham, Cam Newton. I think I would take Cam yeah. like 10 out of 10, but that's just me. Absolutely. I look at the quarterback situation that the Patriots have right now, Jarrett Stidham and Brian Horder. You mean to tell me that those two guys put together is better than Cam Newton? Like, you can't take Brian Horder's IQ, take Jarrett Stidham's arm strength, and they still be better than Cam Newton. There's absolutely no way. (laughs) I personally... I personally think that, like, there has to be more going on with this injury than the public know. Mm Mm-hmm. Or people just don't think that Cam Newton will mesh with the locker room because there have been a few chatter about him. You know, his his uh, how, how do I put this? His swagger is a little different than most people. So I don't know if those two are you know the primary reasons, but I do know that there's no way that you can take the DNA makeup of Jared Stidham and Brian Hoy and say, "Yep, these are my two guys. We don't need Cam Newton." There's no way. Earl Bennett with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I've not spoken to you since the the Bears draft. They go Cole Komet with the first pick in the second round. And, you know, a lot of Bears fans are wondering, like, where's that offensive lineman? Well, the Bears were able to do that late in the draft. Um, and then they say, okay, so what's up with the, you know, the defense in the secondary? They did address that uh, by getting Johnson from uh, Utah. What were your overall thoughts on what the Bears did on draft day? I was confused. I'm not going to lie. I was trying to figure out, are they trying to win right now or are they still rebuilding? When you look at this draft, you bring in Cole Komet, that's 10 tight ends on your roster. I don't know a single team that said, hey, we're going to build our team around our tight ends and we're going to win the Super Bowl. I've yet to see that happen. Cole Komet, will he be a good player? Absolutely. But I do think it will take him two to three years to get adjusted to the NFL speed. And then he'll be able to show the type of tight end that they drafted in the second round. Offensive line wise, I don't know. I mean, there's guys that are still on the on the free agency block, like a Trent Williams that you could have, you know, made a trade for and brought in to really solidify the offensive line. But in the seventh round, you go in to dress the position. I'm not going to lie to you. Dave Montgomery, he's a really good running back. I think the kid has what it takes to run in between the tackle. He breaks a lot of tackles. And why do he break a lot of tackles? Because the offensive line player is poor. So you don't address offensive line. The kid is going to get banged up. You have two quarterbacks that are coming off shoulder surgery, and you still do not help them. I am completely confused as to how you're going to protect your quarterback and your running back with this offensive line that are mediocre. I mean, there's no other way to put it. 
that's for Foles or Trubisky, right? I mean, it doesn't matter who's back there. They need to have protection. Yeah, Foles, Trubisky, both guys coming off shoulder surgery. <laughs> you need to protect those guys. They need to feel comfortable in the pocket. Otherwise, they're going to have poor footwork. They're going to throw the ball off their back foot, and they're, and they're going to try to run and get out of the pocket as much as they can just because they don't have their protection up front. So I, I was also confused by it because if you really need to be able to bolster, I'm concerned about the right side of the line, but also the entire line as far as them being able to stay together. And so I didn't have a problem with the Comet signing. It just I had a problem with the Jimmy Graham signing. Like it's like why 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 Jimmy why give Jimmy Graham the money that they gave him if you thought you'd go into the draft and get a tight end anyway, right? I mean it's like it's almost like okay, we'll get Jimmy Graham, but if Cole Comet is not there, then we're safe. Well, now you got two guys. I know they do two different things on the football field. I get that. But Earl, like Jimmy Graham, is he blocking? No. Is he catch? Is he going to give you seven or eighty catches? No. And Komet is young, so now that puts so much pressure on Komet to be able to produce. It's unfair, but this is what you need because otherwise you'll be like you did last year. Didn't have, didn't you know? You don't have any production at that spot. Yeah, and. When I look at Jimmy Graham, 2014-2015 Jimmy Graham, I love that guy. He was an absolute beast. Mm -hmm. When I look at 2019 and probably 2020 Jimmy Graham, he's okay. He don't make me say, oh, my God, this is a great signing. You guys did a great job by going ahead and giving him a $6 million signing bonus. No, you don't. Like it, it, Either you leave Jimmy Graham where he's at in free agency and you bring in Cole Komet and you say, hey, look, you're our guy moving forward from the first day and you're going to be it. I'm okay with that. But signing Jimmy Graham, I mean, you could have gave that money to, you know, like I said, a, a Trent Williams. You could have brought in more offensive line help. You could have brought in, you know, some guys on the back end and on, on the defense. And so – I mean, right now they're trying to fill those holes with the money ball way. <laughs> they're bringing in Tashawn Gibson. They're bringing in Ted Ginn Jr. They're bringing in Trevor Davis. All these signings look good if this was five, six years ago, right? right. <laughs> if we bring Jimmy Graham the five, six years ago, Jimmy Graham the five, six years ago, Ted Ginn, Trevor Davis, Tashawn Gibson, all those guys were, were pretty much pro bowlers. And – yeah, they look great then, but we're going into the 2020 season, and you're bringing in a bunch of old guys, and I just don't think they're what you need right now for your team. You need some young guys that are studs, that are ready to play, that can help you win right now. And I don't think by going to Moneyball way that the Chicago Bears have gotten better this offseason. Earl, as always, I appreciate your time and your candor on this uh, Bears team, and uh, let's talk again soon. Absolutely, man. Always the pleasure to be in with you, Hutt. All right, it's uh, Earl Bennett uh, from the Pro Style Media Podcast uh, with us right here on ESPN 1000 as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. We ask you to check out the podcast. If you miss anything, we've had a really good week. I think every week we have some really terrific guests and great calls and great 
conversation on UTH, but check out the podcast. You missed anything this week, check it out. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, um, the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Download that thing. That way you can catch up on things that we've talked about. Our thanks to Erica Strauss on the other side of the glass. Our thanks to our guests for being with us as well. Uh, make sure that you download the ESPN Chicago app. And don't forget, we're back with you Monday. Monday with another edition of Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I hear voices in my head. What's going on? Hey, hey, get out of my head.